Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this show is presented by Mercury Mile. So spring is here and it's time to freshen up your running gear. Mercury Mile has everything you need to look and feel great as the weather turns warmer and face it. Every run is an experience. They want to make sure that your shopping for running is an experience as well. At Mercury Mile, they are partners with brands from all over the world. In fact, one of those brands is a brand called Janji. Janji, for example, is a boutique running brand that ha- makes bold, high-quality running apparel and donates 5% of their proceeds to fund clean water projects in countries all over the world. That's an initiative that they can get behind and you can get behind as well. So you can start at Mercury Mile by going to mercurymile.com, enter in your sizes, your preferences, and then you'll get a box of curated running goodies shipped out to you. And it's simple as that. You keep what you love, you send back what you don't, and your personalized stylist is right there with you to make sure you get everything you need that fits not only your needs, but your style. And they're just going to give you all the good stuff. All my best stuff is Mercury Mile, and it will be yours as well. So go to mercurymile.com and use Rambling Runner 10 at checkout to save $10 on your $20 stylist fee. So this episode is with Mary Wright. Mary Wright, if you don't know who she is already, is a mother, a run lover, and the co-founder and director of Arete Women's Running Club. You may have heard of Arete. They are just absolutely killing it. One of the biggest running clubs in the country is an all-women's running team geared towards intermediate and advanced runners with chapters all over the country. Mary herself is a 257 marathoner with aspirations of getting even faster than that. She's a high-quality coach as well, and she loves spreading the love of the women's running community near and far, and she's done a remarkable job of it. In this, we talk not only about her running, but even more importantly, about creating, cultivating, and sustaining a high-quality community around running. So a lot of the listeners, a lot of you people are involved in running clubs, and maybe you're even in leadership positions in running clubs. And I think that this episode is really geared towards a lot of you, whether you're doing it now or hope to do it in the future, because what Mary has been able to do with Arate and what her leadership team has been able to do is really phenomenal, not only because it has to do with running, and obviously this is a running podcast, but just the entrepreneurial spirit behind it. And I couldn't wait to talk to Mary, and I think you'll see why in a second. So here is my episode with Mary Wright. Hello, Mary, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here as well. You are someone who has been recommended as a guest time and time again. Every once in a while, I'll put out a call to action, like, who should I have on the show? <laughs> Invariably, your name pops up a lot. So, wow. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm, expecting, I'm expecting big things, I guess. I guess that's the point. I guess, <laughs> that's, I guess that's the point. <laughs> All right. Great. So you are kind of like the, the, founding, the founding member of one of the most popular running clubs around. Uh, especially on the West Coast, and I know you're expanding, and mm-hmm. it's it's really grown to the to a, a level which is it's just remarkable, and it's so funny from a branding perspective after the fact because you've chosen the name that mm-hmm. at first glance is almost <laughs> impossible to to pronounce correctly the first time you saw it. So, 
first of all, how do you pronounce the name of your group? <laughs> and why did you choose a name that no one could pronounce? Oh, such a good question. Um, I say Arate, but there are other ways to say it. Our, my co-founder has her own way of saying it. She says Arete. So any variation of that is great. Um, and we, it's kind of a interesting story. We named, when we were founding the team in early 2016, we wanted a name that encompassed more than running because we would, we knew we would be more, our team that we were going to create would be more than just about running. And we were running in the forest, Melissa, my co-founder and I, and we ran into a guy who said, I have the perfect name for you. It's going to be Arate. People won't be able to pronounce it, so it's a great conversation piece, and um, that's kind of how it started, and it really, we really feel like it still encompasses everything we're about. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of counterintuitive. (laughs) (laughs) No one's going to be able to pronounce it. It's going to be great. Um, It's like a restaurant. Be like, no one's going to know how to get there, but it's going to be huge. Um, Exactly. A lot of things we do are counterintuitive. So there you go. It works. There you go. So, what was the reason that you wanted to start a club in the first place? Um, Well, Melissa and I, um, we were both we were best friends. We were in uh, ran in high school together, and we loved it. And we felt like we made some of our best friends through running, and then. Um, she continued on in Santa Barbara and she was just running on her own and enjoying it as a hobby. And I ended up running in college at UCLA and Cornell. And then when we came back and we were in our early twenties and we moved back to Santa Cruz, we really missed that environment of a team um, of people who are still striving for um, maybe fast times or personal records, or just trying to see what they could get out of themselves in running. And we wanted an all women's environment. We felt like that's what we were looking for. And so we just didn't, we didn't see that out there. Um, maybe a non, non-beginners club, um, but super supportive and fun. So we just decided that let's create it. And we were just thinking about having maybe a dozen friends in Santa Cruz. And that's really how it started. Right. And I think this is like the time to bring it up. Like, so this is a, mm-hmm. this is a women's only club. And correct. so it's International Women's Day today, which is completely, you know, fortuitous but not planned at all since we postponed this podcast twice (laughs) this was definitely not meant to be this was definitely not the plan uh however it is fortuitous because you know i think it's it it speaks to potentially or i'd love for you to speak to i should say yes why having an all-women's club is important um and -hmm. just your thought process and kind of weighing the pros and cons of having it gender specific Great. Um, so just as a disclaimer, we have nothing against men. We love men. We're married to men. A man came lives. up with the name. <laughs> a man came up with the name. Um, but we just feel like we wanted to surround ourselves with women for many different reasons. And um, it's a, a woman's experience is different in many ways. The way we um, interact in life and, you know, some of the things we've been through in life to get to where we are. Um, So we just felt like we'd create a different experience running with women. um, The things you can talk about are, you can relate on a different level than with men. Um, Sometimes but not always you run with men and there's this weird competitive thing going on. Um, So we just felt like it was the proper supportive environment um, to lift each other up in work and family life um, in struggles and career goals. And everyone on our team is so different, but having that shared experience with women is incredibly empowering. 
So it just creates a different environment that we were looking for. Now, that was the idea behind it. And now that you've had Mm -hmm. a lot of people become team members and team leaders, what are some some of the feedback that you've gotten around this topic? Around the topic of being with all women? Um, Well, I think that people have found their best friends. Um, Many people have left running for a long time and then came back and felt like that true sense of, it sounds so cliche, but girl power, um, showing up at 5 a.m. with five other women, um, feels super safe and supportive and um, just being able to be out there and talk about like maybe their kids that didn't sleep through the night or um, what, whatever. Um, just being able to surround yourself with strong women, you can't understate the power of that. Yeah, and I can imagine. And just seeing the groups from afar and specifically mm-hmm. talking to individuals who are within them, you definitely – I do you feel like that strong women who would be – let me rephrase that. Do you feel like the club helps to enhance – certain qualities or does it just kind of like appeal to people who already have certain qualities? Okay. So that's a great question. I think it's both, both um, that we attract a certain type of woman and that we're also bringing out the best in each other. Um, I think what I've realized over the last year uh, from hearing people all the way in the Midwest and the East coast is they say, this is exactly the group of women I was looking for people who are going to show up for me be entirely themselves, not be afraid to say their goals and go after huge goals and support each other and have fun in a no drama environment. So people are looking for that. And then also a lot of women I'm noticing are, um, it's getting the most out of them. Maybe like something has been kind of um, dormant in them for years and they show up and it's, you know, bringing the most out of them. I'll, I'll just give you one example. There's these two women on our team in Santa Cruz they're very different from the outset. Um, one is a stay-at-home mom of four, ki- four kids, and another is a, a working professional woman with um, no kids. And they are like the most unlikely running pair, but they're best friends. And in the process, they've gone on to support each other through like life struggles, and they've both run PRs, and they're always there for each other. So there's just countless stories like that of people being there for each other, women being there for each other and seeing um, like their running performance is kind of a byproduct of the support. So it's like a bonus. I mean, we're really out there for each other. And the bonus is that so many women see success in their running. So it's pretty fantastic. And when you're looking, I guess it'll just do it. Talking about culture. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of the best way of asking you about this, but I guess like on some levels, kind of like the elevator pitch. Like if you're like, going right. into a new community and someone's like, why should I join Arate? Like what, <laughs> what is like the, you know, the, the 90 second elevator pitch that you say regarding culture? Um, well, I'll say what we said on the very first day when we started in Santa Cruz with 10 women at Starbucks, we took them out to coffee and we said, look, we want to create a women's running team that is competitive and intermediate and We're going to support each other fiercely. We're going to bring no drama to the table and we're going to have a lot of fun in the process. So that is what we, we said from the outset before we even had uniforms or really even had a name or knew what we were doing. We said, that's what we're going to do. And Melissa and I, I feel like we really try to um, embody that. And so 
that, and I really think in all of our leaders, when we seek out our leaders for all the different locations, we're looking for women who are going to be confident in themselves, so confident that they aren't going to get into anything petty and they're committed to lifting up the women around them. And that's really hard to do. I mean, not lifting up people around you, but it's hard to not get involved in, in pettiness. And so that's a very important quality in our leaders and in our philosophy. So I feel like if you start with that in leadership, then it's, that's going to be the culture that's created. And really that's what we are. We're just having fun, no drama, take what you want um, and create the environment that's best for you. And early in the club's founding, what did you mm-hmm. and Melissa do to ensure that the group kind of lived up to the ethos? Um, great question. I think the main thing we did is we put it out there. You just, the, I, I've realized that the more direct you can be with your messaging, then, then there's no questions. Like, this is what we are, and this is what we're not. And so, and then we, we, we create that. We show up to meetups and workouts and it's clear that everyone who's on our team is welcome and everyone is different and we love that. And if someone's faster, great. If someone's slower, fine. Um, and so we just embody that as much as we can and we project it. And um, we really haven't had any incidents where there's any weirdness or uh, conflict. So we continue to just bring our A game. And I think that what happens in workplaces and schools, the people who aren't going to, don't want to do that. They're just not going to be involved. They're just not going to join. And that's fine. And we've always said, uh, you know, this isn't for everyone, just like a certain workplace or another team isn't for everyone. Our, we love what Arate is about, but it is, it's a certain niche and it's not going to be right for everyone. Luckily it's right for so many people and we're stoked, but um, you can't make something for everybody. (laughs) And when you were starting the Santa Cruz, I can't even call it chapter because it was it was the yes. it was the founding location. Right. How, we don't even have an Instagram for it because that's just what we started with. There you go. We didn't think we were going anywhere else. <laughs> it, again, that, that was my question. When, when did it when mm-hmm. did it evolve from this is just our local community running club or a local community running club into wait, we should maybe start moving elsewhere and expanding and you know it's it's mm-hmm. a big conversion. And it's something that obviously takes a lot of thought and planning. Right. Um, well, the first year we had, this wasn't, we had our 20 people in Santa Cruz and um, we didn't really think, I had never thought about expanding beyond Santa Cruz. It was never a plan. It was just, we're going to have this really fun team in Santa Cruz and we're going to run local races and get faster and see what happens. And then when I was talking to Melissa, Melissa's uh she also runs a race series. And so she thinks in terms of the running industry and she's just very entrepreneurial and creative. She said something like, well, we could go somewhere else. We can expand. And uh, I didn't even think of that, but uh, we put a little message out on Instagram. I think we had like a hundred followers at that point. And we said, Hey, does anyone want to lead a chapter? And sure enough in Oakland, our good friend, Teresa, who we went to high school, she said, yeah, I'll do it. And then another person in Santa Barbara who we went to school with. So it, it just happened super organically. And within a couple of weeks, we started our founding group in Oakland. And I think you've had Connie and some other people on that, that chapter on your podcast. So just really one thing led to the next people, women realized this is, I want this in my town. 
Um, and so it just happened from there. Which must made which must have made delegating responsibility to those chapters fairly easy if you already had this pre existing relationship with some of the the original um, original groups that 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 popped up after Santa Cruz. Yeah, absolutely. I think that first this well, the first year was just Santa Cruz. The second year it was Oakland and um, a couple other locations. And initially it was really easy because it's just verbally like, hey, this is what we're about. This is what we're going to do. And then once we started growing, we really had to kind of write down and streamline and make it more structured what what we expect and what we're about um, so that people knew what they were stepping into. And what did you learn along the way? Like, did, were there are there things that you tried to do early on or had certain thought processes, thought processes that didn't quite work out because it seemed like this has been such an overwhelming success. Did you ever have any stumbling blocks? Uh, oh, that's pretty much what it's been for the last four, three or four years. It's been like successes and then, oh, that didn't work. And then um, kind of picking up and figuring out um, what works and what doesn't. And that's what's been so exciting and also really, really hard at the same time. Um, I think early on we realized once we started growing, I realized that to kind of niche down and figure out like, okay, who is, who are we speaking to? Um, we are not necessarily for beginners because for the very reason we think there's so many fantastic beginners clubs out there. So that's not who we're speaking to really. And so I think that really focusing on that has been important kind of, I mean, just the technical side of things you probably know, like running a website and just, um, you know, marketing, um, figuring out those things, um, figuring out like what's going to keep us people excited and unique and keep showing up and how are we going to keep building relationships and making it the perfect balance of great workouts and races and meetups and also having fun. So it's just constantly innovating, um, which is exciting and also challenging because sometimes you try things and they work and sometimes you don't and they don't and they don't work. The other piece here, especially after you, kind of went past um, incorporating some of your friends into Mm -hmm. team leaders is expanding past that. And then also as you grow, it kind of, you know, it, it means that you have to delegate more and keep giving responsibility to other people. So what is the process like about not only finding people to run these groups, but just the trial and error nature of like starting these groups? Cause it doesn't seem like it would be something that would, automatically work every time right um so as you mentioned when we started in california with our bay area teams and then sacramento because they already have a huge running network it was fairly easy to get the initial core group because it's so close to us and i could drive there and communicate easily um but when you expand beyond that it's it's challenging there those groups are naturally going to be smaller and the communication is a little tougher because they're farther away. So I've really learned in growing that um, communication is so important and that it's you're going to start small and you have to be patient. And every chapter is going to have like their hiccups when they initially begin. And I think just re- we've just been so blessed with amazing leaders and just reminding them that um, every team, every chapter is different and it's going to be a different size and it's going to have a different culture. So I think that in the process of growing, I've learned that you have to be patient and each location and leader will be different. And um, just keeping that open line of communication is crucial to um, creating the kind of environment that we want. 
managing expectations for new leaders, I can imagine that being a challenge, right? Because like they want to do this, they see the successes, right? And they're like, we're going to start it up, we're going to get 50 people where everyone's going to yeah. be jazzed, and there's going to be this huge, like, boom of interest. But it's almost like each chapter, unless there's like literally a, a carryover in terms of its like its regional crossover is it's just like starting from scratch every single time. Yep. And that's what um, we remind these leaders. Uh, First of all, they are in the right place because they want to be there. And most of them have already been on the team for at least a year as a remote member. And um, we just remind them like what you're doing is awesome and you just have to keep showing up and you will grow like over. I mean, Oakland started out with five or six people and now they have 40 or some almost 40. So it's just a process of being patient and, um, staying true to your values and, um, eventually it grows and you attract the people that you want. Yeah, I can imagine. And it's, it's, it's certainly some one of those things where if the expectations don't match the initial six month, 12 month push for a leader, I can see that, you know, potentially there being a retention issue as well, because you might have somebody, even any volunteer role or something like that, where, you know, you really have to have a lot of passion for it and you're not going to see ROI in a tangible sense. It can be hard yes. for people um, to, to kind of like accurately predict what leading a group like that will mean from a time and emotional and mental energy component. Or st- uh, Absolutely. Stance. And something we always say to our leaders is we want this to be fun for you. This isn't supposed to be stressful. So like if it's stressful, you need to talk to us. And the leaders have done a really good job within each of their chapters of delegating responsibilities. Like someone's in charge of social, social media, someone's in charge of um, their social calendar, like their meetups. So I think that we've made it fairly clear to the leaders, like this is supposed to be fun. You're building women's running community in your own town. Like how, what a cool opportunity. And I think always turning it around to like, this is supposed to be fun. And the moment it becomes stressful and feels like, a terrible job. <laughs> we, we don't want them to have to feel that way. So we try and keep it fun and, um, you know, let them know that this is really for them to create something awesome in their town. Right. Now, where, where does coaching fall within the club framework? I know you're a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And you want people to, you know, like, as you said, like improve, like in basically in all areas of their life, especially running mm-hmm. by interacting with like-minded and inspirational women so what's, where does coaching fall in and how do the groups and, and group members end up you know, continuing to get better and better and better over time? Yes. So part of when you join Arte, you, you have access to a lot of different things. And one of them is training plans for races in their town and also all chapters races, which is our list of races where we meet up from all over the country. Um, and so I provide those training plans if people choose to to follow them. I would say many, most, maybe many to most people follow them and some don't. And that's, we've always said, that's totally fine. We know some of you have your private coaches. Um, and if, if that's what you need and you want awesome. And so that's like one of the very first things we say is we don't want people to feel like, Oh God, I have to follow Mary's training plans or, (laughs) um, we want people to feel comfortable. So if they're following, they have a coach they've been working with. Great. Um, and so I am fortunate to have a lot of 
knowledge and skill and access to some great coaches of my own and mentors of my own that helped me with training plans. So um, a lot of my athletes that I've worked with have seen a lot of great success. Um, And then others who are doing their own thing, they also see success. So um, we are supporting each other regardless of what kind of workouts people are doing and what they're training for. I'd say in each chapter, most people are training for similar races naturally, Um, but people are doing all different things and it's pretty awesome. (laughs) And what does the club do like from a week to week perspective? Mm -hmm. Um, Great question. It depends where you are, which chapter you're in, but we aim to do at least one speed workout and one long run together every week. And women are busy. And we always say like, there's no pressure. This isn't a, um, you show up X amount of days and you're kicked off the team thing. So you'll see some women who are there every single day and some women come once a month and we just, um, we let them know whatever works for you in the Midwest. It's a little different. And some other locations that are more spread out. They are more focused on, they communicate on their forum a lot and they're focused on meeting up at, um, some key races And eventually with a chapter like that, they'll break down into um, cities. But for now, they're a region that's focused on race meetups. Now, how did you choose which cities to go into in the Midwest? Um, Well, we we put out at the beginning of each year, we put out um, an open invitation for people to apply to be team leaders. And we see what's the best fit for our club. And um, we look at leadership qualities and um, what they're trying to get out of it. And we are fortunate in the Midwest to have Emily and Nicole who had been on a remote team for a year and they were so pumped about bringing together women from, I think we have almost every Midwest state represented now. And um, they're, they're both in Ohio, but the women are from all different cities. And so we just, we listened to Emily and Nicole and the need to have a team in the Midwest like that was important. And they're doing awesome stuff right now now what did you learn both positively and negatively like how to do it well Mm -hmm. and how to um, maybe improve things from your own team experiences whether that's in high school or college um as an athlete um well I in high school I noticed and in college but really in high school it was my foundation the importance of having fun and supporting each other. And, um, I ran to a pretty high level and even when things were intense and like, you didn't feel like you could complete a workout or make it to some regional meet, um, you, you had, we had fun and we really supported each other. And like at the end of the day, running is so important to us, but it's also, it's just running. And I always like to say that you know, running is the perfect place to practice skills we use for all other areas of life. And so I think like when you break it down, that's, that's what we're trying to do is have fun and just be out there and have a good time. So I really think teamwork is what I learned and all those other previous, previous uh, experiences I had that I try to bring out to Arate. And I was talking to David Roach about this yesterday um, Mm -hmm. about, just the, the, the idea or not the idea of, but the propensity for high level college runners mm-hmm. to burn out or just yes. be like, you're just literally just throwing the towel, be like, I'm yes. done. And now you're a college yeah. runner. And yes. what was your experience like along those lines? Um, I, I am one of the people that burnt out, I believe. So 
it's just so intense um, at that level, at the Division One level. And I finished college, and I'm like, I'm never running again. I'm done. <laughs> that book is closed. But then I had my first baby when I was 26, and I missed it so much. So that was really when I returned to it and realized that I had some unfinished business in the sport, and there's some things I wanted to do, um, some goals I wanted to accomplish, and that was really my return. I took four years off or five years off, and then started running again. And I feel like a lot of women feel that way. That's either that they feel like there's something else they can do or just, you know, that chasing a goal feels so good when the rest of their life feels a little busy or chaotic or messy. Um, it's just that great space that a lot of us need. So what advice do you give or would you give to someone who is just finishing up college and is kind of going mm-hmm. through the same experience that you went through? Um, I would say just just give it some space and give it time and running's always there. So if you, if you love it in your heart, you'll always come back to it. And I think like deep down, I pretended like I was never going to run again, but I think deep down I knew that it would come back to me in some way. And, you know, honestly, those few years of not running was felt good. Like I was doing other cool things. And, um, I even try to remind everyone now, like if you're injured or if you're going through like a plateau, um, go do something else that you like. Go figure out what else you're good at. Go knit or or try jujitsu or just do something. Um, there's just so much out there. So I think it's just that sense of perspective is important for a 20-something, young 20-something year old. And they'll they'll find their way. And this this question has come up a couple times in my podcast. And I'd like to hear your uh, your perspective on it is mm-hmm. once you've reached a certain level, even if you yes. take years off, it's yes. not as if you're starting from from ground zero because you literally already have it in your muscles. I mean, I think that that's been that's not really a question; that's a statement. But is has that <laughs> was that your experience? And did is, and did you expect that once you returned? Um, yeah, I definitely. I have. It's like your lifetime age as a runner. So there's their, you know, the running you've done for a year, your training cycle. But I have 20 years of running in me, and so that counts for something. Um, the thing that you can't avoid is age. Um, I will, barring a miracle, I will never run an 800 meter that I, the same time I ran in college. Um, and that's just the reality. But I think if you have that experience and that understanding of running and the endurance in your history, you can take a break and come back to it. And it will, it will feel like second nature after that lack of fitness for a period of time. Yeah. See, people get so bent out of shape. And I'm not going to distance myself from that either. Like, I know I've done it where they, they take a couple, they take a little bit of time off, like literally a week. Yeah. And they're like, oh man, my training cycle's ruined. And you're like, ah, you yeah. would have actually just helped your training cycle. Like you really, you can't, you can't put any judgment on it. And it's, oh, it's, absolutely. And, and it's I- so much more systemic than that, than so, than, than like this temporal experience. Yeah. And also I like to look at what some of the elites and professional athletes do too. And there's some East Africans that they'll take a month or two off in the winter and just to like kind of reset themselves. And I think that uh, I try to preach that a lot in, in our group forums is just rest. You know, CIM is kind of our culminating race at the end of the year. And I always encourage everyone to take a month off jog, like get rid of your Garmin for a few weeks and, or, you know, go do yoga for a couple of weeks. And I think that 
taking a break and resetting really reminds you whether it's because you're injured or because you're just wanting a break, taking a break, burnt out. Um, it really resets you and makes you hungry again. And I know I've gone through periods where I'm feeling burnt out and I'll just, I'll just stop. <laughs> and when you return, there's, you obviously have to be careful returning. Um, but you, and like kind of being out of shape for a couple of weeks really makes you appreciate when you do hit peak fitness, but you absolutely have to take time off if you want to be your best self as a runner. So when you returned to running after a few years off, mm -hmm. did any self-judgment or like a critical, like that kind of the person in the back of your head constantly judging every run and that sort of thing that can be prevalent, especially in the high kind of like the, the pressurized nature of college sports, especially at yeah. the division one level. Did that return as well? Um, no, because <clears throat> I suddenly had, uh, I think for better or worse, when you're in college, you're only focused, when you're a student athlete, your only focus is sports <laughs> and your studies. But um, I think that I suddenly had these, I was working and I had a baby and I was married. And so those are my priorities and running was an outlet. So I think I felt, and I also wasn't, I was trying to do long distance running. So I was moving on from middle distance. So I think the cool thing about being an adult runner is you have a sense of gratitude and appreciation for the time that you didn't have when you were a youth runner. Because when you're a youth runner, you can structure your whole day around your run. So yeah, so I just, yeah, of course. I'm like, well, I can't run those 400s the same speed I can anymore, but that's fine. I never was able to run a marathon before, before now. So I think as you get older and you move past that, um, that kind of sense of constant comparison, it's more, for me at least, it's like this place of, of gratitude. Like, I can do this. This is so awesome. I have this opportunity. And that's, that's really helped my running. And I think that helps a lot of people's running with that perspective shift. How can it not? Yeah, exactly. How can it not improve any venture that you're associated Absolutely. with? Absolutely. So speaking of that, Mm -hmm. This this club yes. has now become basically an entrepreneurial venture on some level. Obviously, yeah. no, we're not going to like take it public or something like that. <laughs> but but it is in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, what advice would you give somebody who's currently trying to do something in the entrepreneurial mode or is kind of this entrepreneurial tendencies because a lot of people who listen to this may be small business owners or yeah. they're salespeople who are very um, siloed or they have a lot of independence or there's someone's trying to do, you know, something along the same lines that you're doing. Mm -hmm. what, what advice would you give to them? What has been this learning process? What has this learning process been like for you? Um, I will have to say that this is probably been one of the more challenging things I've done, more exciting things I've done in my life. Um, and really my, my best advice has come from my co-founder, Melissa, who's a great businesswoman, but she, and what I've learned over the years is patience and following curiosity. So I try to do that constantly like, okay, what's this next little thing that looks interesting and looks like it could be helpful and just following that and just making little steps towards what you want to do. And this is in running and business and anything, just like, it doesn't have to be a big dramatic shift. Like what little thing can you do? And so I think that that's been, um, my, the greatest asset over the last few years is patience, following some curiosity, being really gentle on yourself. You know, when you're trying to do something unique, it's easy to be hard on yourself because 
you're doing something that's not really happening and um, there's not necessarily a model out there. So, and then just like really listening to your heart and remembering always constantly, why are you doing what you're doing? Because at the end of the day, we're a running club that's trying to help women reach their dreams. And so if you keep what you want to do in the forefront, then you can't go wrong. Yeah. And you also have to like manage how you take advice. That's one thing that I've learned is that there's a lot of people who, you know, I'm just, I'm only including people, well-meaning people in this conversation, right? People who are very Mm well-meaning have your best interest in the organization's best interest at heart and will have certain suggestions. How do you balance those suggestions with sometimes using your gut instinct or your own uh, opinion of how things can run? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I, that's what you, you nailed it. It's like, you really just have to listen to your gut. So I probably consult with two or three people and I trust their judgment so much. And then I listen to everybody and then I just take what I feel is feels right. And then at the end of the day, I just have to listen to myself and go with what feels right. And that's all you can do. I don't know what else you can do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard, right? Cause it's, cause you might have people, especially if you're in a down moment where you're like, yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe that would work. I'll just give it a shot. Yeah. And it's, that, uh, it's really hard to be, to balance the idea of being, um, you know, following your curiosity yeah. and yeah. being fairly spontaneous with little steps versus being thoughtful, but not overthinking it. Totally. And everyone has their opinion, right? Everyone for whether or not it's well-intentioned, everyone's going to have their opinion and you can just, you know, take it with a grain of salt and go from there. That's all you can do. There you go. All right. So before we get going, I do want to touch on your running because you're, mm-hmm. you're training right now. You're making it happen. So how's that going? And what's the, uh, what is your goal right now? What are you working towards? For my own running? Um, well, I have run my, when I originally got back to running and I, I made it my goal to run a marathon under three hours, with a couple little kids and working full time. And so that was kind of my first mission. And I brought that time down a little bit. And my goal right now is I'm doing another marathon. I was going to do Boston, but I was so busy with RTA launches that I am now going just to pace people for 18 miles and um, throw a big after party. So I, if anyone's listening, you're welcome to join. <laughs> um, uh, but my goal right now, I'm trying to run mountains to beach end of May. I would like to PR. Um, and that, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And I like to try and do the bare minimum in my training as possible to reach my goals. So that's kind of the journey I'm on right now. I'm trying to do like good workouts, but not overdo it and see what I can do with that. Now, do you, is Mountains to Beach probably the second most popular race in, in kind of out, out there for your members? That's a good question. At least um, from a marathon perspective. Yeah, maybe for, maybe right now. Yeah, I would say CIM and Mountains to Beach for marathons. Yeah, we have a lot of other really popular 5Ks and 10Ks. But for marathons, that's probably – it's just so – it's beautiful. It's warm. Um, it's a great one. Yeah, they seem to be well run. I never hear people like complaining about it and – you can really do both in the same calendar year and ha- not really have it affect your training. Exactly. Yeah. It's a good time for sure. There you go. All right. Last question before we get going, what is like your big, hairy, audacious goal for <laughs> Arate? Uh, um, I would love for us to have 
a chapter in every single state in the country. That I love that because that would just be incredible to have us all connected that way. That would be a big giant goal. And my other goal, which is more <laughs> technical, is to have an app. And we're really working hard on making that possible because um, women want to go in that direction, be able to open the app and see what's going on. So those are a couple different but big goals for the team. And yeah, keep having like, fun. Those are like exact opposite goals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I want everyone to be on their phone. Also, I want to be everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and on, honestly, I would love to have to go watch somebody at the Olympic trials in Atlanta. And I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. I'd love to see a person in RTA jersey at the Olympic trials. So I'm putting those vibes out there. So for some, someone to be there. If you don't have it. Mary, I will don one and get onto the course. Deal. I would love wear, to see that. I'll wear like you know the the the, 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 the crop top that Connie Shea is always running in. Yes. I'll just I'll just, I'll just sport that. I'll start running. You know, it would be like it would be like the exact opposite of the Catherine Switzer moment at Boston. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. There to, you go. To photograph it. All right, Mary. Thank you so much for coming on. This was fantastic. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mary, for coming on the show. This was a fantastic episode. I was so glad you could come on as well. Thank you to Mercury Mile. Go to mercurymile.com. Get all your stuff for spring. Hey, man, we just sprung forward, right? Daylight savings time is here. The sun is coming in full force, and so is the weather. And you got to get your spring gear ready. Also, big shout out to Mercury. I'm sorry, Mercury Mile. I already gave them a shout out. Big shout out to Megaton Coffee as well. Make a ton of coffee. Go there. Type in code LISTEN. You'll get a free bag of coffee when you sign up for the subscription service. Listen, not only are you going to get a free bag of coffee, you're going to get great coffee. I drink it every morning. It's As, as Connie Shea said, she loves Megaton coffee now after listening to the episodes and getting a, getting a pound for herself. As she put it, it's one cup and go. Even if you're normally a two-cup-a-day drinker, you're going to get one cup, and you're going to go, and it's going to be totally worth it. And if you get the subscription service, it's not only going to save you time, it will also save you money. So go to megatoncoffee.com and enter code... Did I say listen before? I think I said listen before. Enter code RAMBLING. Enter code RAMBLING to get the free pound of coffee. So thank you so much for listening. I really could not... you know, I cannot express any more how... You know, lucky I am to have so many of you listening week after week after week. It is so greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and have a great day, and happy running.